with Harry Broadhurst and Tony Asidic. had to get the preview posted before we actually started the show. <laughs> Hello. Ollie, Ollie, Ollie Oxen free? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome into the reaction live October 13th, despite what I may have said in the law thread one, yes. Oops. <laughs> I get confused. My dates get away from me sometimes. It happens. I had a very busy weekend. Speaking of weekends, how was yours, Tony? It was pretty copacetic. By which you mean you did a whole lot of nothing? Oh, I never do a whole lot of nothing. I'm always out and about. I live in Los Angeles. If you do nothing here, it's a crime. Well, technically, you live in the outskirts of L.A. It's always close. It's like saying, I. Well, how far out of L.A. are you? About 20, 25 minutes. Okay, it's not nearly as bad as me saying I live in Cleveland when I'm an hour away from it, so. Yeah, and it's considered L.A. County that I live in anyways, so I can still say it. All right, fair enough. Anyway, <laughs> he's Tony Acero. I'm Harry Broadhurst. Welcome into the reaction here on Powerhouse Radio for... October 13th, 2014. I sound better tonight. Yeah, you do. I'm glad your tongue is, um, you know, back up to par. Not completely healed, but it's not nearly as prominent as it was last week. I have a dentist appointment tomorrow to get the problem taken care of. Luckily, the swelling's gone down enough that I've been able to conduct normal conversations over the course of the last couple of days. And we have a lot to converse about tonight, Tony. We had a loaded episode of Monday Night Raw. The show was awesome. I posted on the uh, preview here on the Yes page that I type out, I posted Hell in a Cell comes early, and we've got all the scoops, plus points. Watch of it. You dig? <laughs> yes. Right, that, that was probably a little white even from my standards. A little bit, yeah. So, what do you say we go ahead and get right into it here and let's talk about Raw? Let's do this. All right, so, betting bosses and eating losses is how you tag the opening phrase here. And so, I guess we're going to touch on both of the main events from tonight, the uh, opening tag, the opening three tag, and then the main event itself here. Yeah, that's pretty much what I was going for. All right, makes sense, because you mentioned a little bit later on with the uh, Orton and Rollins, I can do better. We can touch on both the uh, Orton and Ziggler, which was awesome, Mm -hmm. and Rollins and Swagger, which was really good as well. Right. By the way, the picture you posted in the Raw column, if you guys don't read Tony's Raw column, and if you shouldn't, you should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) But the finish for tonight's Orton-Ziggler match had... 
Diamond Dallas Horton show up again. <laughs> because that was that was a page pulled straight from the DDP playbook. And he catches yeah. Ziggler with an RKO out of a power bomb setup, much like uh Page did to who was it, Hennig, I think? In a US title match. But anyways the point of this being is that Orton made such a flush connection here that Tony posts a picture a little bit later on in the column that said that RKO was so sick it caused Ziggler's hair color to change. And then it's an old picture of like Mikey from the, of uh, uh Nikki from the Spirit Squad. It's freaking hysterical. Mm-hmm. Well played, sir. All right, so let's actually get to what we were discussing, and that's the betting bosses and eating losses here. So why don't you go ahead and run down the uh, the opening segment here while I plug the reaction a couple other places here, and I'll listen in and <clears throat> give you my thoughts as necessary. Yeah, we start the show um, right away with um, a recap of last week, and then the actual show starts with Ambrose, which got the crowd pumped up. Um, the crowd was pumped up the entire show. They were in this show. They were a real big part of it. Not like, you know, day after mania type status, but pretty much they were an integral part of the show and, and added a lot to an already good show. Um, so Ambrose comes easily in and says best, his little piece. I'm sorry to cut you off here, but easily the best wall crowd we've had in months. Yeah, yeah, in quite some time. And um, not the smarky raw crowd that we get on occasion either. These were fans that were genu- genuinely enjoying themselves at the show rather than trying to make it all about them. Right. There was no unnecessary chance for the announcers. There was no, you know, uh, you fucked up. There was no, it was all about the show and it really just added to it. And there was a lot of interaction that we can mention a little bit later in regards to the big show that just showed how fun that environment was for everyone involved. Um, so Ambrose does his thing, and then Cena comes out, and and of course we've seen some semblance of this over the past week or so. Cena didn't say anything new. Um, I love the response that Dean had in regards to um, um, Ambrose's. Uh, I'm sorry, in regards to Cena's. Cena basically went in there and said, you know, you're nothing. Get ready for the biggest match of your life. You ain't shit right now. So you know, just get ready for it. And then uh, Ambrose. Any other wrestler would just like either either just walk it off or say something. Ambrose did something just slightly different, but it was it was perfect within his character, and it also just felt right. He basically told Cena to shove that shit up his ass because he's Dean Ambrose and he's not just some kid. This isn't just some walk in the park part for him. But at the same time, this isn't going to be you know his first. He's not a rookie, is basically what he said. And I thought it was a great response. I thought it fit really well. So that ended. Triple H and Steph come out and. They joke about putting them in a tag match, which we've seen already a number of times. And it's just, I felt like it was lazy booking until to the realization that it was going to be a triple threat tag team match. Um, I don't think that changed anything, but I was okay with it once we found out what happened after that match. So the reason why I brought this up is because it leads into what we're going to eventually be getting into afterwards. But um, as far as the match itself, it was kind of it was kind of cut and dry. You know, it didn't really do much until the very end. The very end was was pretty damn awesome. Um, I'm actually going to go ahead and touch on the tag match itself because I thought the tag match was actually, the three-way tag was actually really good. Oh, that's fact. Monday night game over. <laughs> it's distracting when the when the Monday night football game hasn't gone off yet, and we go on the year here and twenty-four seventeen. So it's a close game, which a lot of people weren't expecting, but 
San Francisco with a pick six of Austin Davis, and that'll pretty much seal the deal. All right, anyways, back to the show itself. I actually like the triple third tag match, although I don't understand the point of having the tag champions lose to a Russerific tag team of Cena and Ambrose, especially with you have Cena and Ambrose kind of feuding within each other already as it is, and there's no reason for them to get a uh, there's no reason for them to get a one up on the tag champions. If you're going to have anybody win that match, you can still have Cena and you can still have Cena and Ambrose win the match, but have one of the users eat the fall there. It was kind yeah, of a recurring theme of losing on this broadcast tonight. Yeah, there wasn't much of a a reason for um, for them to lose. Like it wasn't. They're never gonna. I don't want to say never, but they're hardly. It's unlikely that they're gonna wrestle again, <clears throat> unless of course they do another lazy booking next week. But my assumptions are, Cena and Ambrose aren't gonna be a tag team looking for the tag team belt. So it was really it's unfortunate. Um, I won't go so crazy as to say they buried them and this and that that we're already seeing online, but at the same time, it's just one of those things where if they went another direction, nobody would have been bothered by it. I mean, I can understand putting other teams into the match there and doing that there, but if you're going to do something like that, why not use Slater, Gator, and uh, and the Matadors, who didn't even appear on Raw tonight? Oh, I'm perfectly okay with them not appearing. Um, <laughs> no, I, I'm okay with the choices of the, of who wrestled. I'm okay with the teams. Um, there's a lot of history involved and everything, but it's similar to just a lot of storylines that they do. They try to send, uh, they try to set, they try to wedge storylines within storylines. And more often than not, it doesn't work because it comes off as hokey. Um, this one isn't so much that aspect, but it had a lot to do with the, the reasoning behind the, the reason why they booked it. It's just sad that, you know, they were the tag team champions, and they they lost. They they didn't have to. She, at least they shouldn't have, basically. Or they shouldn't have at least been the one to eat it. Basically, what happened is the uh, the tag team champions became a booking me- booking mechanism in order to get the the tag title or the uh, main event for tonight's episode of Raw into the four into the four K before we got to the point of having Monday Night Football actually kick off. Yeah. You see what I did there? I brought it back around. Mm-hmm. Good job. Thank you. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the main event itself now, since you said that the tag match, the three-way tag match, led into the making of and then the actual main event itself. So let's go ahead and get into the making of said match and then the actual match itself here. Yeah, the um, I mean, uh, immediately after the tag team match, in which Dean and Cena proved that not only can they win the match, but they can work as a team. Because there's a couple of, you know, those, Tag Team 101, double team moves, the split leg, the whole, you know, double team, stuff that you've seen anyone in every tag team do. Triple H gets all crazy with it. Like, he's all like, tonight, blah, 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 tonight, hell starts for both of you. And it's like, dude, calm down, all right? (laughs) But anyways, that was basically his way of announcing the fact that never mind Hell in a Cell, tonight is going to be John Cena versus Dean Ambrose, no holds barred, just something on a pole, Whoever wins gets Seth Rollins at the pay-per-view. And this is something that was supposed to happen at the pay-per-view um, to open the show and then lead with the closeout of whoever it was that won. Uh, not only did it make Raw itself more exciting, we had a legit main event, because before this, Raw was being sold on Big Show versus Rusev, um, which tonight proved was a pretty big deal, but not big enough to be like a main event, I don't think. So um, 
they went with it. They 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 went. With, that was their match. That was the the whole contract on a pole, no holds barred. Cena versus Ambrose, and the match itself, the main event. If we're going to get to the main event specifically, it was pretty craptastic. No mistakes, nothing bad. It was just it was all a means to an end because within four minutes, Orton got involved, Kane got involved, Rollins got involved, everyone got involved. But the end of the match is what I think matters the most and is what's going to stand out for a long time because it was a big move, and I'm really excited for it. Dean Ambrose won, and he won in such a way that was so Dean Ambrose. He stood there and waited for Cena to turn around and basically say, "You now you can see me take this contract down the pole, fucking pole. <laughs> So he did. He won. He got the match. We're going to see Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins. And it's built right. I mean, they've been building this thing. But I'm saying within the next two weeks, man, this thing is going to be hot. I really don't think they're going to put them on the main event slot. But it's all right because that is the match that people are going to buy the pay-per-view for. Or they're going to make sure that they stick around and catch as much of it on the live stream as they possibly can. Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see if that does go on before Orton and Cena. A lot of people that were streaming the show stopped the stream right after that match ends. Mm-hmm. I unfortunately find myself in a situation where I'm not going to be able to see the show as it airs live due to the fact that we have a uh, we have a, a local wrestling event that night. Because we got pushed back to later in the month than we usually go. And so I'm going to miss the live airing, but I'm hoping to make sure that I get a chance to see how in the style before we go live on the air the next night for the reaction. Uh, I agree with you in the fact that I, I really dug see, uh, Ambrose's little you-can't-see-me gesture right before he grabbed the contract off the pole. And as soon as Cena took a step towards the pole, Ambrose was like, nope, and just pulled down the contract right then and there. What I didn't like was the announcers burying both guys by saying that they should be grabbing the uh, contract earlier in the match when they had the chance there. Because something that the announcers failed to realize here is if you're trying to tell a story here of the upstart for, C- of, uh, for Dean Ambrose, you need to have him trying to prove his point against Cena that he can stick in a regular, ma- in a regular match with Cena rather than needing these kind of gimmickry in order to get a one-up or get an advantage or pick up a victory tonight like he did. Um, your thoughts on the announcers basically calling out the wrestlers for not going after the contract? The announcers Early are retarded. No, but um, the interesting well, aspect in about all that, yeah, it wasn't that I liked or disliked it. However, because they did it, I think that it kind of helped the ending a little bit. Because you see, typically when they say stuff like that, um, when they're mentioning how Dean Ambrose simply won't go for the contract, how he'd rather do a suicide dive or chase John Cena up the ramp. And they say, oh, this is, you know, why isn't he going for the contract? You kind of feel like, oh, well, he's going to lose <laughs> because, and that's going to be his downfall. And then that's going to be their excuse. That's going to be their reasoning. Um, you know, oh, I have, you know, or, you know, Gene Ambrose didn't pay attention. He should have went for it. He made a rookie mistake, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? He won. And he still was able to suicide dive and do everything else that he wanted to do. So, I think it made him look a little bit smarter. Although, even if I even if I don't agree with them or what they were saying or how they were saying, I haven't agreed with commentary in years. So, I think Michael Cole just lacks that Jim Ross, that Joey Styles ability to sell the action in and of itself, rather than 
feeling the need to rely on the gimmickry and the the booking mechanisms that are built into the feuds in order to tell the story. Because one of the things with Styles and Ross always was, is as a play by play commentator, I, I noticed stuff like this is the best commentators can tell the stories by themselves with, while telling you what's going on inside the ring. With Cole and Lawler, and especially John Bradshaw, so it seems like they do one or the other. They either talk about what's going on in the ring, or they talk about the storyline behind it. They don't seem to mix both of the two together on a consistent enough basis. You know, commentary is only as difficult as you make it, which isn't to say that it's easy, because it's not. I don't even think I'd be able to do it consistently for a long amount of time. However, it's not hard either. At least I don't think. Once you figure out what the hell it is you're trying to do, you are essentially a salesperson. Sell the damn match. You know, they are more more focused on selling sponsorships and guest stars and you know stuff like that than they are in doing what they were hired to do and what I feel their passion lends them to do. So it's kind of disappointing. And that's another thing, too, is that you can tell when the commentators aren't into a match, and I think it drags down the matches as they happen as well. Well, and it makes you not interested in it. You, as the viewer, are like, well, if they don't care. I mean, of course, we're not that impressionable. We're not going to say, well, if Cole doesn't care, then we shouldn't either. However, we're not the main audience. We're not the ones that are sitting there, you know, watching a Miz match while they talk about something completely different. It's their target audience, all the kids, all the PG, you know, rated children that are, are, are watching this for a specific reason, that reason being to be entertained. And essentially, these commentators are telling them what to pay attention to or what not to pay attention to. Right, and as you've, as we've discussed here on the reaction before, they've been having an issue with creating new stars and stuff, but if you're training your audience to think that certain matches in certain moments are not important then what's to say when you try to use those people in bigger moments and bigger matches down the road that people are going to treat them as anything more than the joke that you've had the commentators make them out to be in earlier segments? It's counterproductive mm-hmm. to business. <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, that, that's, that's, that's one of the... If I were to ever write a column on how to fix the WWE, commentary would definitely be on that list. It would be one of the things that they really need to alter in order to make a better product. SmackDown's actually a lot better about it than Monday Night Raw. They tend to focus more on the entering on SmackDown, but the thing is, is SmackDown doesn't have as many people to please as Raw does with all the uh, sponsorships and all the, the plugs and the guest hosts and everything that they have to try to get in for for Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, another thing that I wanted to ask you here real quick before we move on, because obviously this was... This was one of the big selling points of the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view itself. So, do you agree with the fact that they hot-shot this match to television? Because um, I honestly think that having Ambrose pick up both victories on the pay-per-view, the special event broadcast, would have done a lot more for Ambrose than having him pick up the win in this convoluted train wreck that was the tail end of all. I'm not saying it was a bad match by any situation, and I'm not saying that it doesn't. it was not a big moment for Ambrose. I just think getting both wins at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view would do more to watch Ambrose than getting one on Raw and then the other at the pay-per-view. Yeah, I was surprised when it was announced. Like, really, they're going to do this? But I was also kind of happy about it. Um, it got to they. It got to see Ambrose was put on a bigger stage tonight than he would be at the pay-per-view, even if he did win twice. 
And um, it's also for, you know, safety reasons. I mean, two matches, one being a hell in a cell and another one being a no holds barred. I know that they could work around it and everything, but it's a lot of work for one man in one night. Um, so I wasn't really too bothered by seeing it on Raw. I was actually more excited about it being on Raw than the pay-per-view, um, even if it was going to be a mess. I mean, if that's what we were going to see on the pay-per-view, I think a lot of people would have been upset. Um, not because not he won, but because of how it uh, how it transpired. All that stuff, you know, like the overbooking and everything, I think a lot of people would have been like, all right. Well, I think they kind of booked themselves into a corner by putting it in, under the uh, contract on a pole stipulation. But, yeah, I agree with that part. I just, I also think, too, and the other thing is, is they both did wrestle twice tonight as well with them, as well with them having the, the tag, the three-way tag match at the opening of the show and then the, the actual con, Money in the Bank contract, or not Money in the Bank, wow, Hell in a Cell contract on the pole for the main event itself. <clears throat> yeah, well, I'm excited for the, I mean, I was excited for the pay-per-view before. We talked about the possibility of Ambrose winning, and both of us were iffy about it. And I'm just, I'm really trying to ride that high of them allowing it to happen and, um, you know, us possibly seeing the rise of a, another star. Um, continuous rise. I'm not saying it just started. This has been great for Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and to a certain extent, Roman Reigns, who, you know, just a little bit hurt. Wait a minute. You mean to tell us that we haven't just recently started jerking Ambrose off? Sorry, well, that, that post you haven't. You haven't. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of us have been following his career back to when he was still working in small independent promotions in Indiana. Hey, Tony, you thirsty? A little bit, yeah. Um. All right. Let's 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 start the show off right, okay? Let's mention the awesomeness that is A.J. Lee. Um, of course, every week she's awesome. This week is no different. It was amazing what happened. It was a five-star match. Beautiful match. Beautiful. No, um, in reality, it wasn't beautiful. Alicia Fox is so damn scary every time she gets in that ring. It's really frightening. Not um, in a good way? Yeah, not in a good way. Not in a good way at all. Uh, <clears throat> so we had a tag match tonight, and it was branching off of last week when AJ teamed with, um, Emma, and then left Emma basically to, um, you know, her own demise. And, you know, the tag match that was tonight is essentially raw reaction approved in terms of who was on AJ's side. We had AJ Lee and Layla, um, you know, tag teaming, which is basically Henry and I's, you know, favorite tag team ever now. Um, who the fuck is Henry? Harry. Who called? Did I call you Henry? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, I'm reading did. the raw report. I'm reading the raw report, and I'm scrolling to try to find the match, and I scrolled by Mark Henry's name. I'm gonna call you Henry. No. Um, I also noticed Go that I put AJ Lee and Tony Acero versus Paige and Alicia Fox, that I never deleted it. Oh well, I'll leave it there. So, <laughs> anyways, That's AJ won. Yeah. So what happened tonight was actually gave gave um, I wanted to give credit to the the writing in terms of giving another diva a bit of a personality. Layla, uh, there was a little insert promo of AJ Lee telling um, <clears throat> telling Layla like, you know, I hate all the divas, but I hate you the least, so you should be happy. And typically, these divas don't mean anything; they have no character. It's not that big of a deal. So seeing Layla basically say okay and then screw or attempt to screw AJ was kind of kind of nice to see. Of course, it didn't last long because AJ was like, oh, hell no. And then beat Layla's ass. Um, 
So I just wanted to focus on that match, how they're continuing to bring other females in that aren't on Total Divas and actually have some semblance of talent in the ring. And uh, specifically Layla, who was able to give a better performance than simply just being a pawn in the in the storyline that is AJ and Paige. Well, a couple things to touch on here. Um, first and foremost for me is, I believe the phrase that I used on the Raw thread was Harry and Tony's favorite tag team. Mm-hmm. So that, that seems legit to me. But anyways, uh, I, another thing, I don't know if you caught it or not, but when when Layla offered the hug and then AJ leaned in really really carefully, you see Layla look towards the camera and roll her eyes right as the scene goes to black. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm going to buy this bitch's line of bullshit. I don't think so. <laughs> exactly. And then she's, as you said, she saw the screw job coming there with uh, AJ, what AJ did to Emma last week, and she tried to pull the same card tonight, but AJ was ahead of her and able to pin Alicia all on her own. Although, in fairness, it's yeah. Alicia. Are we impressed? I'm impressed by that shine. And at least... Uh, it was a better Shining Wizard than you saw for $45 on Sunday night. That's for damn sure. Uh, I didn't and pay for here comes the Sunday TNA night. lovers. If you're referring to that um, that other organization, um, I really don't give them much of my attention. Yeah, well, if they're going to tape, del- tape delay their biggest pay-per-view of the year and still have the nerve to charge people $45 for it, I wouldn't be giving them a whole lot of attention either. That'll put butts in the seats. (laughs) God, we need a Tony Schiavone soundbite right about now. (laughs) But anyways, as far as that goes, yeah, it was nice to see a little bit of personality there. And Layla not being involved with Total Divas. She was asked about it in an interview, and she said that she really wouldn't want that much of her personal life exposed for public knowledge. And I can understand where Layla's coming from there, because when you're doing these reality shows, a lot of information and stuff gets out there that you might not necessarily want people to deal with. And depending on how real or how scripted it is, there are a lot of really false ideals between people's real-life relationships come out as well, like everything with Tyson and Natalia. Yeah, they've only been trying threatening to get divorced now for three seasons. Let it go. Oh, that's anyway, <laughs> I do not envy Ryan Byers. Uh, I do. He's kind of funny. <laughs> no, um, I don't envy him. I don't. I don't. I love his reporting style. I love his writing. I think he's one of the more intelligent writers on the site. But in regards to reviewing Total Divas, it's just no. That show for people who have never seen it. Every segment that you've ever seen that includes the Total Divas, just elongate that segment into an hour. What you saw tonight with Cameron going on her little ghetto rant, that is essentially the show. (laughs) In a nutshell, yes, sadly. But anywho, we'll get more into what happened with Cameron and our special guest a little bit later on in the show tonight. But carrying on here, hold on, let me pull up my format. Um, I actually think we're up to quick hits. Let's do it. And as such, I'm going to steal the old Greg DeMarco show soundbite. That's not like he's using it these days. Bang, 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 bang. Try and stop it. Bang, bang. Here I come. Bang. Quick hits. Bang. 
go ahead and say it. You know, you want to. I am a Greg DeMarco guy. Didn't even have to give you the cue as to what to say. You knew immediately where I was going with that. <laughs> All right. Let's do some quick hits here. Uh, honestly, not a whole lot to cover in quick hits tonight because everything kind of ties into what we're going to be discussing throughout the rest of the show here. But let's let's get to it here. Uh, Todd Crisley. As far as guest hosts go, I actually thought that was relatively painless as far as guest features go. No one knew who the hell she was. Um, my thoughts that was a dude. like, yeah, no one cares. No one cared. No one's going to care tomorrow. The it, It's like, it's sad. It's okay. It's not sad because she was very, she had a very small role, but it just, who's that going to bring? No one who watches Real Housewives is going to watch Raw and vice versa. Uh, not wrong, only that. Wrong, wrong, guest, wrong guest host, Tony. Who are you talking about? The Chris Where dude at the, on the ring side? Yes. Why? That's the thing. You know what? They're interchangeable. (laughs) They're interchangeable. These two hosts. Whatever I say for one applies to the other one too. No one is going to watch the show that they're promoting on Raw. That watches um, Raw. No one's going to watch the Chris whatever knows best. um, That is a wrestling fan. It just does. I've never. Only way we know who this guy is is because he's on the same channel as Raw. No one knows. No one cares. Uh, at least not anybody that's watching Raw. So they do this a lot with USA and bring people in. And it's fine and it's harmless and everything. But at the same time, what does it bring to the table? Do they get paid for this? Because um, if that's really the only thing, is it more advertising? Is it simply cross-promotion for the sake of cross-promoting? I don't know. But I'm referring to both guest stars. No one is going to watch their show who watches Raw if they don't already, which I highly doubt they do, and no one is going to watch Raw from their audience if they don't already. So at the end of the day, it's a waste of everyone's time. Especially when you say, oh, my son watches this show every night. It is called Monday Night Raw, douche. (laughs) Are you feeling a little fabulous over there, Tony? A little bit. I'm feeling it. <laughs> I got nothing. I, I, I can't top that. <laughs> I'm not even I'm not even going to try. You probably shouldn't. Uh, Liz and Seamus, non-title. Is it uh, just me or was that finish fantastic? It was pretty badass. Um, the... Uh, Okay, so Sandow has been a shining star since forever, and I'm loving his antics on the side. I'm afraid they may go too much with it. Um, and, and and this is a personal thing. This is something that I'm really struggling with because when you have Sandow doing certain moves and selling moves as if they're really painful and stuff, and I don't know if it if it takes away from the mystique of the move, if he's essentially selling the move the same way that Miz is, who's getting hit for it, and, you know, verifies that as a stunt double, you're actually taking pain that isn't all that real. And But that is, like, looking way too deep into something that is essentially fun. So I wanted to put it out there just so that I could say it verbally, but as far as understanding and taking it in, I'm still laughing. I'm still having an amazing time watching Sandow do everything ringside, that is happening to them is, I mean, literally everything. <laughs> and it's going to come to the point where people get annoyed 
and he's he's playing the integral role of a manager slash partner the right way by being a distraction, by being the reason why the Miz wins. Um, but he's also adding his own element to it and just adding his own Sandow twist to it. And it's so crazy where this started and how it got to be here, and I'm really happy because for a while there, man. <laughs> for a while there, he was heading to TNA. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. Um, the best part about it was the Lucha roll into the, the holding of the knee over by the announce table. Yes, yes, I forgot to mention. Yeah, I lost it. That entire commercial break, I could not stop laughing. <laughs> um, who'd have thought that the uh, Sandown aping everybody thing would actually lead somewhere important? Yeah. And, you know, I don't want anyone to use that as an excuse to okay everything we saw for a number of months with regards to Sandow. Don't tell me it eventually led to something great. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying if this was ever an argument, I want every person who uses that argument to shut up because this all could have worked out without him having to be Magneto and Paul Bunyan and Abe Lincoln and everything else. At the very least, okay, anybody versatility. Okay, anybody who's trying to tell me that this was the game plan from Jump Street here is a fucking idiot. <laughs> How's that? Is that subtle enough? That works for me. Oh, yeah, I changed the rating on the show. We're PG-13 now, so, you know. Yes. We get, that still we might get not be better. <laughs> that still might not be good enough. <laughs> Everybody gets one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only other thing I have left to touch on quick hits here is why it's new coming um, the general consensus seems to be the Ascension good move, bad move, do they fit do you like it the Ascension as they stand right now do not fit however they would only need minor tweaks in order for them to fit um they need to tweak them just slightly. They're, you know, from what I've seen, and I have, excuse me, I haven't seen everything, but from what I've seen, the Ascension are just a little bit more different than we need them to be with regards to the Wyatts. However, in the, the video packages, whether it's the Wyatts or not, I believe that last video, it seemed like he was talking about Abigail, right? Yes. Do you think that they're going to bring in a female? Uh, God, the only question would be is who? Honestly, who yeah. do you have in the company right now that could play such an important role? Yeah, I have no idea. I was just interested in what you thought. I, I don't I don't think it's necessary. I don't think they have anyone that could do it, but it's fun to talk about and speculate. I mean, I could understand where the idea of putting a female associate with Bray would kind of enhance his character, but at the same time, aren't you running the risk of Aren't you running the risk of overshadowing the already great Wyatt character by trying to artificially attach something that doesn't necessarily need to be at ringside when he can just keep her in hushed whispers? Yeah, and I'm glad they're giving Wyatt some time to rebuild himself because he's he's had some damage done to him, regardless of what Band-Aid named Chris Jericho tried to do. Um, so this should be a new, like a rechristening, if you will. And I'm really, you know, the way he's letting loose the... Um, Harper and Rowan. I want to see where they go, if they go anywhere. 
I have high hope for Harper, Rowan not so much, so I'm interested to see what they could do with them. Well, actually, between the two videos, I think I liked Rowan's more. And the reason I say that is because of the whole the whole tie in with how the world has betrayed him and left him for left basically left him for dead until Bray was able to rescue him and bring him back into the Eric into the Eric Rowan that we all know. I almost called him Eric Harper, like he was Bray Harper, Michael Cole. <laughs> it's okay, Henry. It's yeah. okay. Screw <laughs> <For> you. <laughs> but anyway. Back to what I was saying about Rowan there. I think there's a lot of potential with that kind of character, and especially if you could get maybe Harper another kind of associate to lean on, even if it's not a direct influence like Wyatt is. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they go. The way that they're separating the Wyatts here, do you think that it's going to lead to interaction between them still being involved with each other? I don't know. For whatever reason, I think the WWE is just not really good at that. You saw it with uh, Reigns and Ambrose, how they just kind of no longer knew each other. Like, like what happened? <laughs> they they were they were brothers, you know, and then out of nowhere, they're just not. So I don't think they'll do it. I don't think they'll. I hope there'll be some interactions, but it seems like it seems like they're going alternate routes with both of them. Uh, how about Ascension versus Harper and Rowan? Would you have any interest in seeing that match? If it were to ever come to a situation, the match, yeah, I would. I'd be interested to see it, but I don't want this to be like Wyatt not liking Harper and Rowan anymore, or not, you know, appreciating them or what they did. Or I like the way that they disbanded, and I think it spells for a lot of more, a lot more interactions in the future between all of them. That's fair enough. And that's another thing, too, is something that we've discussed here on the show before, is that they've very rarely been able to pull off the amicable split. And hopefully it's a thin line that they can tread in regards to Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, and Eric Rowan. Uh, that's all I have for quick hits. Because we're touching on everything else throughout the rest of the show. Uh... Real quick here, let me get a couple plugs in, and then we'll continue on with the rest of the show. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the reaction on Powerhouse Radio in association with ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. www.ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. In addition, you can also check out the new offshoot for Pro Wrestling Powerhouse, Cool Wrestling News, which is basically us doing what 411 does. As I understand it, I haven't really had a chance to look all that much into it, but that's what I understand. At www.coolwrestlingnews.com, my name is Harry Broadhurst. I am the voice of Real Action Pro Wrestling, in addition to backstage interviewing and interviewing for the website and the, the, the YouTube show and pretty much whatever else Black Diamond needs me to do as well. He's Tony Acero. Tony, why don't you go ahead and tell them about your work with 401? Uh, I do the weekly Raw recap. Um, I do the live report, letting you know what's going on as it's happening. Um, we keep it up to date pretty much every two to five minutes, depending on the segment. It's a lot of fun. Um, I have a lot of fun with it. I keep telling myself I'm going to stop every week because it's very, I mean, our Monday nights 
Harry, are like six hours of wrestling. Like that's a long time. <laughs> so uh, I sometimes get the feeling that's that I should be doing something, yeah, a bit more productive. But I just can't stay away from writing the Raw Report. It's a lot of fun. I have pretty much free reign on whatever I put in there. Some days you're getting nothing but AJ picks. Other days you're getting different things, you know. But it's it's just fun, basically. So I encourage everyone to check it out. I I, I welcome newcomers and. The comment board is really nice. Dolph Ziggler changing hair colors in the middle of the show. <laughs> yeah. That's what happens. In fairness, you get RKO like that, you change hair colors too. And speaking of which, mm-hmm. we call this a segue. Let's talk about Raw, shall we? Yes. You see what I did there? <laughs> I did. Magical. All right. Anywho, seriously. Um, Seth Rollins and Jack Swagger, Randy Orton, and Dolph Ziggler in a game of can you top this? So the question for you would be is, A, which of the two matches did you think was better, and what were your thoughts on the matches themselves? Um, Orton and Dolph Ziggler, hands down, was the better match. It was awesome. It was great. It was fluid. It was it was encouraged by the crowd. It was something that it was one of those matches where you would like to watch it again. A lot of good matches, you're like, that was a good match. And then that's it. You kind of just walk away from it. This one was a good match and it just had everything right. And it just shows that Orton isn't that bad. He just has a bad rep because sometimes he's kind of boring, but when he's on and when he's with a good person, he's, he's pretty spot on. And I think this was proof of that. Um, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good good near falls. There was chances where you thought Dolph was going to win. He's the intercontinental champion, so he should be having matches like this. Cesaro ringside was kind of an afterthought considering how good the match was. And I, as, as sad as that is to say, it's the truth. Um, so, yeah, as a whole, the match was way better than Seth Rollins versus uh, Jack Swagger, which doesn't take anything away from them because that match itself was also pretty damn amazing. Yeah, I'm honestly okay with the fact that Cesaro was ringside here, and the reason I say that is because Cesaro was able to get in a couple of decent lines of his own and promote the upcoming, and I would imagine that it's going to happen to Hell in a Cell Intercontinental title rematch that he has coming up with Ziggler. Yeah, um, I didn't know as... there. I just, it just kind of felt like a, uh, by the way, don't forget this, you know, which is fine. It's fine. I just, I really wish he... Um, had a little bit more of a role. I like how he's all like, yeah, I've beaten Randy Orton before. Because he has. He's, he's a big-time player, and everyone, you know, is forgotten, seemingly, because WWE is forgotten. I think tonight was another classic showing of one other thing that holds true, especially in regards to Randy Orton. Orton plays to his moment. When Orton is motivated, there are very few in the ring that are better. The problem is, is Orton's motivation comes into question a lot more often than it really should for a main event player. Do you feel that this is the case? Oh, definitely. He's a slouch. He's one of those dudes that knows his um, 70% is better than most of people's 100%. Um, I know because I'm that way. Um, So, like, when he goes out there, if he's going to give, like, 70%, he knows that it's better than most. He knows that he could put together uh, a good match. And, you know, why, why stress being, you know, putting on an amazing show if if you don't have to. And then you got Dolph Ziggler in there who's going to bounce like, you know, like crazy for you. He's going to sell everything that you hit him with. He's going to make you look 
a thousand times better. So I'm pretty sure Orton and Dolph get along just fine. And I think that has a lot to do with it. Orton plays to the strengths of his opponent. If it's somebody like a Ziggler or like a, a Jack Swagger, who I feel is underrated in the ring, or like a Cesaro back when those two were feuding there, the matches were good to a, good to excellent. Whereas if he's in the ring with somebody whose motivation is at the same level that his is, somebody like, I don't know here, maybe like a Sheamus, or because Sheamus' motivation comes into question on occasion as well. Or the matches that he had with Miz, it's just a case of Orton going through the motions because he knows that he can and he can get away with it. And as you said, his 70 is better than most people's 100. And I think that can be a gift and a curse, especially when it comes to uh, us internet fans, because like we can tell when guys are half-assing it, and that's what gets Orton the reputation that I think Orton has. Yeah. The only good that I can say out of all of it is that he tends to work better with younger guys, and I don't mean age-wise. I mean fresher faces, because I feel like he considers himself a ring general, and when he's in the ring with Sheamus or Cena or something, those are people that are arguably at his level in which he doesn't control the situation. It's almost like a a teacher getting excited to teach. You know, He's not going to really teach Dolph Ziggler or anything, but he feels that he's higher up on the food chain. And by proxy, he's running the show, which means that, I mean, you can kind of see as a, as a character, he gloats whenever something happens. Whenever the crowd is cheering, this is awesome, he's going to stand up and pose as a heel character. But I also think that that has something to do with his personality, where he feels like, yes, I know, I'm awesome. <laughs> I can hear him saying in that exact monotone voice. Um, yeah. something that people were calling Orton out on tonight, and I don't know if you thought it, the layback after the RKO where Ziggler was still on his back and it looked like Orton was waiting for a count. Do you think he already yeah. on it or Cameron, or do you think he cameraed himself tonight? Eh, nah. She was intentionally well aware that, you know, Naomi was on her stomach. Orton did the whole fall back onto the pin and then quickly realized what, what happened and rolled him over. That is the difference between a simple mistake and ignorance. You know, that, that's just like, okay, Orton, he does that all the time. He falls back into the pin. He just kind of lays back. It's a douche cover. He, you know, he didn't, he didn't look back and say, oh, let me see if he's on his stomach or his back. You know, if anything, if Dolph knew the pin was coming, he should have been prepared. <clears throat> Well, I just, that's actually the thought that I raised in the Raw thread. I asked, did, did Dolph have a Kofi stupid, stupid, stupid moment there? <laughs> By not rolling into the pin. Yeah, maybe. Ah. All right, I should be good to go now. Um, your supply is running low. I'm going to have to hit the grocery store sometime this week. All right. So we touched a little bit on Rollins versus Swagger, Orton versus Ziggler. Um, I want to envelop that in this whole point here where, I, I, what did I say in the rundown? Literally just wrestling on all capital letters. Um, tonight's yes. show had wrestling, and it was so awesome, and it made me wonder why they don't do this more often. There was no filler. There was no bullshit. Even the Divas tag team match had wrestling, regardless of how bad it was. 
it was like there was it, it was like Vince fell asleep and someone else wrote the show, and they like prayed he wouldn't wake <laughs> up until eight thirty. Like, oh shit, he's gonna wake up. He's gonna wake up. Put out Hornswoggle. You know, like <laughs> it, it it just felt like uh, it felt like a different show, and I I loved that it felt like a different show. I was up in my seat a number of times. I was I was standing while Orton and Ziggler were going at it. Like it was fun. It was everything progressed. Everything moved forward. It was the right amount of storytelling and wrestling. And all of the bullshit was kept to a minimal. And I want I want to I want to ask you, how many recaps did you see tonight? Like none. <laughs> like like seriously, there was there was like none unless I missed one or walked out of the room or something. I don't remember any. Um, you know, maybe the only one or two recap before. that I recall the only recap that I recall them airing is them showing Big Show pull down the Russian flag again right before the match with Reset. That was pretty much it. Okay. Other than the one yeah. that they aired at the start of the show in regards to what happened on Raw and SmackDown last, week, last yeah. week. And that's okay because you're refresher coursing everybody as to what to expect. Right? Yeah. But there was no earlier tonight. There was no five times we had to see Cena say, you know, um, you know, Ambrose, you need to step your game up or whatever it may be. Like, we didn't need to see all that. And guess what, WWE? We remembered. We we remembered two hours ago when Triple H came out and screamed and popped a blood vessel on his nose. Like, we, we remember that. You didn't need to recap it. So it was just, man, it was just really refreshing to see to see that, to see actual wrestling on the show, to see long matches with commercial breaks. It was it was great. It was great. Even even the last match, which was basically like, you know, clusterfuck light, still had its moments. And I was just thoroughly happy with the entire show. And I think that'll show in my final rating for sure. Yeah, tonight was one of those shows, that, and especially I think the fact that it had as much humoring as it did. Tonight was one of those shows that was really easy to get through. And whereas you've had a couple of shows over the last couple of weeks that have been chores. Like, we said ourselves last week that if The Rock hadn't shown up when he did unannounced, last week's show was dragging. It was and pretty bad. The Rock basically single-handedly saved it. So, tonight, you didn't have that law. You didn't have, uh, one of the guys in the Yes thread said that when the Divas tag match was on, the, the, the Total Divas guest host six-woman cluster frick, whatever, he finally got a bathroom break, and it was that kind of raw where you didn't want to miss anything mm-hmm. up until that point. Rather, it was the shenanigans, the wacky shenanigans of Damian Mizdow on the on the outside. Rather, it was the intensity inside of the ring of Seth, of Seth Rollins and Jack Swagger and Dolph Ziggler and Randy Orton. Rather, it was the chaotic craziness of the three team tag match that opened the show up, or the over-the-top attitude and drama that came forth from the authority tonight. It was everything that you would expect from a wrestling show in the proper doses. Yeah. There was no there was no general level of overkill, which you occasionally get the feeling of, especially on these three-hour Raws. So kudos to the creative team on, as you said, and for Vince for finally taking a nap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Do you think no it's possible that tonight... Do you think it's possible that tonight's show was put together by Triple H and this might be a sign of things to come going forward, if at all possible? I think it's possible that he had something to do with it. I do not think that it's a sign of future things to come. I think that this was not a writing of the ship. This was not a turn of the card. This was simply a good wrong. 
Um, <laughs> I just don't see... Well, it's not giving you know, too much if, credit? Yeah, exactly. What if the rating's bad? What if they, you know, didn't sell certain things? Like, you know. Right, I understand where you're coming from there. I mean, they got in everything that they needed to get in, too, which was the plus side to me. And then they still aired the season Coleman things, and they still talked about the Chris Lee knows best and the, the Real Housewives of Atlanta, whatever the garbage that crap is. Don't ask me. I don't care enough to look it up. They were still able to serve the other bosses that they had to serve, but in addition, they put on an excellent product inside of the ring. And I think wrestling fans, as long as you can entertain them with what's going on inside of the ring, can forgive a lot of what happens outside of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's commercial time, Tony. Okay. Well, it's worse for me because I need to go get an aspirin. My head's starting to hurt. Especially since this Henry guy keeps showing up and stealing my limelight. Ah, fucking Henry. Classic Henry move. You're listening to the reaction on Powerhouse Radio. We'll be right back right after this. This one's for you, Tony, even though you're a jackass. You ever meet a girl and think to yourself, she's the one. But as time goes on, you realize she ain't nothing but a hosky. When I met you, girl, it was love at first sight. Your hair looks so good. Your dress was so tight At first I was nervous So quiet and shy Wasn't sure if your type was A bro from L.I. I thought we'd be so made Like Bud and Lime Thought you'd be my girl Till the end of time You were my girlfriend For a couple of years But then you left me With nothing but tears Roses are red And violets are blue
on Facebook, follow me on Twitter. You broke my heart twice, okay, I'll admit I'm bitter. Try to read your mind, but the print was too small. But you anything you wanted when we went to the mall. You got multiple personalities and now one soul. Hope the only gift Santa Claus brings you is cold. And even though I think about you every single day, you're not the one who got away, you're the one who walked away. Roses are red and violets are blue. You may have touched me, but I still will. I absolutely hate how catchy that song is. It's pretty much life right now. The sad thing is, is that song gets more airtime than Zack Ryder does. Aww. (laughs) That was good. That was a good one. It's time for Harry's hit. Here comes up. Here comes up. Here comes up. Harry's hit. Here comes up. Here comes up. Here comes up. Y'all don't really worry like We briefly mentioned it earlier, but let's go into it in full detail here. Uh, the biggest surprise of the night I, I almost has to have been Big Show and Rusev. You said in the you said in the raw report yourself that you were surprised at how good it was for a big man match. And honestly, I don't even think it was good for a big man match. I think it was good for a wrestling match. Surprising athleticism from Rusev. Stuff that, granted, we've seen in bits and pieces here and there, but that drop kick was a thing of beauty. Mm-hmm. Like, dude's got some hops. Um, the fact that Lon is really cute when she's worried is kind of an added bonus, but another thing is, too, is that we've actually managed to continue the story as well without g- trying to go to any kind of extreme measures in order to do so here. They managed to pull off the rear feet for a big man match of a big man match that made you want to see a rematch. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I agree. And I also, um, you know, when Henry lumbered down, I think I and everyone else thought there was going to be a heel turn. Like, you know, what turn would that be, number 472 of this year? Um, So I was really happy that they didn't go that route. They still might, but at least tonight they didn't. Um, Rusev is – everything that I see of him screams good wrestler. He just – he's so – his character hinders him at this moment because of the matches that he has, because of the the short span that they take, and the fact that he's very focused on the back, finisher, that's it, you know? But there's so much more to this guy. I haven't seen him outside of this. I haven't seen him. If I don't even know if he's ever been on NXT. I haven't seen him before. Um, before he got to the main stage, I haven't seen him. But you can tell by the way he moves, how fluid he is. His The ability that he has just in his legs alone for the stature that he has is something that's very noticeable. And um, 
I, I can't wait to see him in a longer match with someone that has skills to see what he can come with, come up with and what he can do. Um, in regards to this match, the first, what, couple of minutes, you thought it was a squash. Show was kicking his ass. And, you know, at, before the commercial break, Rusev got no offense in whatsoever. And then you kind of, there was a switch. There was a change in it. And you ended up with Rusev giving you know, the the accolade to show. And that was essentially going to be the end of the match before Henry came down. Now, of course, we could talk about how the two faces did a heel move to win and, you know, how it looked up. But the crowd was into this match like a motherfucker. They were all over this match, like, a lot. <laughs> well, and the other thing, too, is given the relative histories in regards to Rusev and Henry and Rusev and Show, it made sense that Henry and Show would come together to stand up for their principles in the country that they're backing up here. You know, it's not like it was completely out of character for them to defend the U.S. by going after Rusev after the match, and especially since Rusev pretty much instigated the fight by attacking Henry in the middle of his match with Big Show. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I think the... the, Well, the important part is to give them credit for basically putting on an awesome match. Um, Big Show is Big Show. You know, he's another one who sometimes he's just not all that great. Um, (laughs) But they were able to tell a good story here that um, obviously isn't over yet, and they're going to continue to do so. I'm pretty excited to see where it goes. And uh, Rusev, I want to see him grow. I want to see what he can come up with, how he comes up with it, and what he does once he gets there. Here's a thought as far as the Rusev and Big Show thing here. Do you think this is going to set up an immediate rematch? And if so, is it going to happen on Raw, or do you think they're going to push this out towards the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view? I actually thought that that's what they were going for. I thought that that's what they were going to be leading to is a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view match. So I assume that next week we're going to get that booked. Uh, Obviously, we've mentioned that we have an interest in the rematch. Do you think the Henry Hill turn happens in Hell in a Cell? Because I made that prediction over on the yes thread. I guess I just don't want to see it. I don't. I don't want to see the turn. I, I, I. Not that I like Henry more as a face. I don't. I just. I'm tired of the constant bouncing back and forth. I mean, he can go away, and then come back as a heel, and I don't think anyone would care. But to see another turn is, and especially with the Big Show, who has the same issue, it's just. Ugh. Yeah, it's kind of become almost decaying levels of ridiculous when you're turning babyface or heel 4,672 times in the course of one calendar year. He turned babyface and heel three different times tonight, actually. He just couldn't see it. It was subtle enough. (laughs) It happened that fast. (laughs) No, but I get where you're coming from there as far as Henry's heel turn, but at the same time, I think... Given the way that they did the angle with Henry complaining about Big Show putting all of that extra weight on his shoulders in regards to having the entire country on his back, I think that's what's going to be the key selling point into the fact that I think we are going to go forward into Mark Henry and Big Show Part 4, I think. <laughs> but the last time these guys feuded with each other, the matches were all right as far as big guy matches go. And it wasn't anything yeah, like they're capable. Matches. Another thing about Big Show here, and I think we discussed we discussed this earlier with Orton. Do you think Big Show works better with younger guys than he does with more established talent? 
Um, it's hard to tell with that one. I don't think he's as I don't think I can make that divide as well with um, um, with with Orton as as well as I can you know show. I just don't don't see that connection too strongly. All right, that's fair enough. I just figured I'd ask. Um, that's basically all I had for this match. Any other thoughts as far as Big Show and Rusev you wanted to touch on here? Or are you ready to get into that third do? Uh, let's do it. But um. Yep, that's a pun. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about we we kind of touched on this in regards to the guest hosts and how uh they simply just don't do anything. Um Uh, where's my thought? Oh, there it is. Okay, yeah. See, that's how uninterested I am in these people. Um, yeah, they're like I said. I don't know if they're trying to please the channel that they're on. If they're they're working out certain deals with people to where they get paid or they have some sort of advertising. Because what I did what I did notice that we don't watch the shows. The the what is that? Chris something knows best, or the other one, Atlanta Housewives, knows whatever. Best. Yeah. We don't watch those shows, so we really don't know if WWE is mentioned. So we don't know what kind of crossover promotion they get. However, I would like to think that it's next to none. So uh, I'll reiterate that I find it extremely pointless to have them on the show and extremely pointless to give them time, no matter how much or how little. Um, At the very least, they tied it up real nicely today. But, I mean, it's just so sporadic. One week they have a guest host, next week it's not mentioned at all. And they were, they were doing it on a weekly basis for a while. And, like, I, I think my fraction was eight times out of ten, nine times out of, No, I said eight. Eight times out of ten, it was bad. It was horrible. It was a waste of time, a waste of talent. And it never worked well together. Um, so we got another another one of those eight tonight. It wasn't as bad as last week with wine bottles cracking on someone's ass. Um, but it, And it wasn't bad per se. It was just a waste of time. So I, I really just wanted to touch on that for a second in regards to what's the point. The problem isn't that they were bad. The problem is that they were irrelevant tonight. It's not yeah. anything that's ever going to be mentioned again. It's not anything that's going to ever lead to anything forward. It's not like Nene's going to come back and get in the ring with Cameron in a one-on-one match. God. Could you imagine? No. Yeah, I'd really rather not either now that I think about it. Uh, you remember that one chick from Survivor that was in TNA, that Jenna Moroska chick? Mm, vaguely. She had a trash match with with Charmel at a TNA pay-per-view that I think those two could give a run for its money. It's the worst match in wrestling history. Oh. Well, you know, not every match is, you know, of Molina-like quality. Only when Molina's facing Alicia Fox. Yeah, I mean, if you have those two in the ring, you're getting quite possibly the best Divas match ever. <laughs> the sarcasm is thick in this conversation. <laughs> Hold on, Tony. I can't see you through all the bullshit. <laughs> Anyways. 
No, back to what I was saying, though, as far as them being not bad but irrelevant. It goes back to what she said last week. For every Bob Barker that we get, we get six Nene's, six Todd Crisley's, six Cassidy Lee and Hoda, although I would put them towards the bottom rung of celebrity guest appearances, or they were actively offensive. <laughs> Whereas, as I said, Nene and Crisley weren't offensive. They were just irrelevant tonight. So kind of a take the good with the bad in regards to these celebrity situations here. And I think tonight, as far as everything works out, we kind of got the best case scenario in regards to the two guest appearances. Because when they mentioned last week that both that chick from Real Housewives of Atlanta as well as the guy from Crisley Knows Best were going to be on Raw this week, I think we all started fearing for the worst. I'm, I'm just really bothered by the fact that you say Nene like it's a normal name. Like, <laughs> what? It's her name. What do you want from me? I'm sure it's, it's not her name. name. But yeah, it's it's just funny. Yeah, well, you know, amount of craps given at this point zero. So, all right. We briefly t- we touched on Ziggler and Orton earlier in the night, and your last let's talk about Raw moment actually kind of piques my interest here because I'm not entirely sure where you're coming from this, so I'm going to go ahead and let you expand here, and then I'll chime in as necessary. Oh, I don't fucking know. I just wrote it. No, um, I, <laughs> the last couple of weeks I've been trying to focus the let's talk about Raw section, the very closing. Like, I don't, you know, in, in terms of importance, we always talk about the big things first. So I didn't want the third point, main point to be something that's just like, oh, Hornswoggle versus El Torito. I wanted to maybe ask a grander question that had something to do with the show, like Roman Reigns last week and like the IC title this week. So my focus was we can put, at least from, from my perspective, we could put two spins on this. The IC title is important because it's surrounded by awesome wrestlers with, an, with a, with a storyline that's focused on the belt. Or we could say it's really crappy because it's, Cesaro, who's not getting any credibility, and Dolph Ziggler, who is up and down as far as credibility in terms of champion and wrestler. So the question is mostly, how are we, as a as a, a unit of Raw Reaction, how do we see it right now? Do we see the IC title as something that is prestigious and holds a lot of weight, or is it still in limbo and we want more? Um, Honestly, I think it's straddling that line. Because... Yeah. I enjoy the quality of competition going after the belt, and the matches are fantastic. Like, the three-way with Miz involved a couple weeks ago in Raw was really good. Mm-hmm. Ziggler and Cesaro have spoke-stealing potential in a singles match. And if it's going to lead to Ziggler getting an extended amount of in-ring time like he did tonight with Orton on Raw, with Cesaro at the table commentating during the course, then I'm perfectly fine with it. But at the same time, if you're going to still constantly have your Intercontinental Champion doing TV jobs to Orton tonight like we did, and it wasn't so much that he did a TV job to Orton, it's that he did a clean TV job to Orton. Like, you're telling me there wasn't something they could have done with, like, Cesaro pushing Dolph off the ropes or something, with Rollins distracting the referee in order to play more into the tension between Rollins and Orton? Rather than having Dolph lay down in the center of the ring off of an admittedly awesome finishing sequence, But you're still one, two, three, and you're Intercontinental Champion clean in the middle of the ring. Um, Ziggler's yeah. credibility is no near Ziggler's credibility is nowhere near what it was in 2012. 
back when he was the world heavyweight champion and got that monstrous pop the night after WrestleMania. Or not 2012, 2013, sorry. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Ziggler's career has never gotten back on track after the concussion that he suffered at the hands of Jack Swagger. Mm. Um, my question for you would be expanding the Intercontinental title division. Who who do you think you would want to slide into this Intercontinental title division here to give us more in regards to just Ziggler and Cesaro going for it? Because obviously it appears that Sheamus has moved over towards the U.S. title with me, with, uh, Excuse me, Miz has moved over towards the U.S. title with Sheamus, so that basically leaves Ziggler, Cesaro, and question mark at the Intercontinental title division here. So who would you want to see to help flush out the Intercontinental division ranks a little bit? Mm, good question. I'm not 100% sure, um, mainly because, you know, I, I don't like booking. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, when's Wade Barrett supposed to come back? December. December. Okay, so it's October. Why not bring him back relatively soon to start cutting promos? You know, basically, it's, it's there. I, you know, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. I'm coming back. That title is mine. You've got literally two pay-per-views, you know, before he's back, and he can just either, either we could wait two months and he'll show up, or we could do it now and have him play games. I know he's injured, so he won't be able to wrestle, but he's, you know, he's in a recovery process where he, he can still make a stand. Um, I remember, you remember, I don't remember what they were called, but when Orton got injured and he was doing those weekly updates with, the, like, RKO television or whatever. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> and um, I think that I think that something similar, or even just him coming out and doing what he did for a couple of weeks, um, just to get you back into the swing of things, to let you know that he's not, uh, you know, he's not gone, <laughs> is something that I think that, that I would have a lot of fun with it. Uh, yeah, with regards to what you were referring to, it was RNN. It stood for the Randy News Network. And I think that Barrett mm-hmm. would be a perfect candidate for something like that, especially if he were to do the whole thing with him getting onto his podium and giving the bad news to everybody. And I think there's an opportunity to bring Barrett back as a babyface here that they might want to capitalize on because I think there's a market and a, and a fan base that certainly wants to cheer Barrett in the character because Barrett's doing such a fantastic job of portraying it. Oh, yeah. The other thing is, too, is there's talk of a couple NXT call-ups coming forward as well, and one of the main ones that constantly gets talked about is Sami Zayn. Do you think Sami Zayn mm-hmm. would be somebody else that can that could inject a lot of life into the secondary title feud situation? He as far as definitely as would, as a wrestler. As a character, they're going to need to build him. Um, I, From what I've seen... He's got that underdog story, um, which is fine, I think, on NXT. But if you want to put him in the title ranks, then he's going to need some something else. He's going to need a little bit more something invigorating. Um, so there's going to have to be some, some tweaking, some introduction. And I don't want video packages for five weeks. And I don't want squash matches for three weeks. I just want a character that is there. We learn certain things about him, and we move on from there. <clears throat> but no, not, it's not going to happen immediately. Uh, what about a situation like what was what happened with Santino Morella, where you had Morella pick up a victory in his hometown and maybe do something similar like that? Have Sammy come out when they're in Canada one of these times and make his debut there? Or Mexico? 
He's officially Canadian again. <laughs> I got where yeah, you were going with that, but... I don't know. I I'm not saying that his... wouldn't work. I... Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Finish your talk. Well, I'm not saying it wouldn't work. I'm just, I don't know if I would want to hinder him with that. Um, you know, unless they say that he's a trained wrestler who's also a fan, blah, blah, blah. He needs credibility because of his size. Um, and I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that, but I, I just really think that it's the truth that he needs something within his character to say, I'm worthy of this. And this is why. Other than just the fact that yeah, he's really, really good in the. Yeah, because he's going to get that reaction from the fan base that watches NXT on the network and stuff. But the thing is, is the majority of the fan base that they're going to be marketing Sammy towards is not going to be your NXT fan base. It's going to be your traditional Raw, SmackDown, pay-per-view fan base. Yeah. And most of them aren't going to have a damn clue who Sammy Zayn is, other than the fact that he had that short that short appearance on Raw back when they were building towards TakeOver 2. Mm-hmm. Which actually reminds me of another person I think would be excellent adding some more depth to that division, and that would be Tyson Kidd. Man, I wish. That man could do no wrong in the ring. And he's finally getting something resembling a personality on WWE TV as well, which kind of helps. Because mm-hmm. even you have to admit, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first person to admit I'm a huge Tyson Kidd apologist. I have been a huge fan of his ever since the debut of the Hart Dynasty. The dude is dull as dishwater on a microphone. Yeah, he's pretty bad. And that might be giving him a couple levels of interesting on the mic. So I think if you're able to establish this douche character that he's got going over from from Total Divas, and it shows up on occasion on uh, it showed up on occasion on main event as well. So I think if you're able to translate that towards. The raw audience as well. I think you have another opportunity to bring some more fresh blood, some more lifelines into the Intercontinental Tether Division. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling extra nice tonight. Oh, so okay. since I know you like it since I know you like it even though it irritates the crap out of me. Reaction to Jack Wagner. Oh, sorry. Hold on, hold on. I'm almost certain we have the final countdown song actually inside of our queue. <laughs> and if we don't, we will come next Monday. You best freaking believe that. Aw, oh, son of a bitch. It's okay. We will next Monday. <laughs> All right. Uh, your favorite moment from tonight's show, Tony? Um, geez, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna have to give it to Ziggler and Orton. That was a great match. Um, it was a lot of fun. There's, it was just, it was awesome. It was pay per view quality without the commercial. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 gonna go ahead and give it to them there. Your least favorite moment on tonight's show. Uh, anything to do with a guest host. Um, you know, like I said, it wasn't offensive. It wasn't, it was just kind of just, eh, no yeah. need for it, really. There? Yeah, it was there, and it shouldn't have been there. 
like a well, third like I said, pit. though, I mean, hey, Total Recall, dude. Anyways, um, <laughs> your letter grade for tonight's episode of Raw and why? A minus. Um, and I, I want to pontificate giving. Yeah, giving an A to the show doesn't mean it's the best thing that I've seen. This isn't like a comparison. This isn't like, oh, this was compared to last Raw, this was an A. This is a standalone. This is what I think about this particular Raw. If I were to rate this Raw, it would be an A-. minus. Why? Because you had great wrestling. You had progressional storylines. You had stuff that continued. You didn't have bullshit. There was no midget in an alligator costume. <clears throat> there was no... Uh, you know, ginger on my screen that made me cringe. Seamus was pretty close, but no. Um, the Total Diva stuff was kept to a minimum. Anything that could have annoyed me was kept to a minimum. Nothing was blatant, you know, like, I'm here to annoy Tony. Because you know they make this show specifically to cater to me. Um, so I feel like they just, they were they were really getting me tonight. They really understood what I needed in life. All right, I suppose I have to follow that, huh? Yeah, you do. <laughs> Good luck. I could hear that in the tone. My favorite moment from tonight was this. my my favorite moment from tonight. I actually have a tie. One of them occurred as part of the actual match. The other one added to a match. The one that was a part of the actual match was the You Can't See Me gesture from Ambrose to Cena right at the tail end of that contract match. That was a little extra added screw you from Ambrose for finally getting getting the opportunity to get his hands on Seth Rollins inside of Hell in a Cell. Basically, Ambrose telling Cena to take that young boy talk and shove it where the sun don't shine. My favorite non-applicable moment from tonight's show was... Miz Dow rolling around, selling his knee over by the announce table before the break. Like I said, I laughed for a good two minutes straight. Just the the attention to detail that he put into it. He was selling the right knee. He looped a roll to get into position in order to be able to do it. And managed to avoid smacking into the announce table while Lucha rolling. Yeah, I thought the roll was pretty awesome. These are the things, um, the hidden highlights column that you, that 411 used to have. Mizdow is a walking hidden highlight. And has been for a while. And it's nice to finally see that he's getting the screen time to justify the importance that the character has for the show, in addition to the importance of the contributions that Damian Sandow has been putting on in over the course of the last couple of years. Yeah, as well as the fact that... Uh... <clears throat> that, you know, there's a, uh, what can I say? There's a, a appreciation from the audience. Yes, he's finally getting the crowd reactions he deserves. And from, I would imagine, not even from, like, a smart crowd either, you know? And I don't mean mm-hmm. that as, oh, my God, these guys are in Atlanta. They're fucking idiots. No, I mean that from, even the even the, the Mark fan base is getting behind Sandow in the way that he's conducting himself with this character. <clears throat> yeah. My least favorite moment from tonight's show was Layla getting her ass beat after the match. That was mean, Tony. You should have called her off. My bad, man. (laughs) 
No, in all seriousness, though, um, if the only thing about this whole situation with AJ and the revolving tag team partner thing is it's going to get really old if they pull this on every single episode of Raw going forward. I mean, eventually you're just going to have to get to the point where either it leads to getting the one-on-one blow-off between AJ and Paige, or we bring back Tamina. Because Tamina's, realistically speaking, the only person that AJ trusts fully. Right. And even that was even that was starting to show signs of cracking right before Tamina blew out her knee. I'm right there with you. Tonight's episode of Raw was an A- minus for me. And I'm a little bit more liberal with my grading than you are, but... We had a lot of stuff that made a ton of sense here. There was, as you said, nothing actively offensive, and anything that could be construed as actively offensive in regards to the guest host was kept short and to the point. I mean, it goes back to what we said here on the reaction before. You have to you have to please the people that brought you. You have to placate towards the USA Network with stuff like Chrisley. You have to... You're in Atlanta. You're going to get the reaction from some of the people down there who's going to know who this chick from the Real Housewives show is. And odds are she's probably got some kind of involvement with their cancer thing as well. So that's probably the crossover in that regard. So I'm honestly okay with it happening, even if I could have done without it. And then, as you mentioned earlier in the show tonight, the wrestling was on par tonight. They were All the guys were on top of their game. The matches were fantastic. Ziggler and Orton, as you said, was pay-per-view quality. Rollins and Swagger was really good. Big Show and Henry was fantastic for a big guy match. And Pretty good by even normal wrestling match. The three-team tag match that opened the show was non-stop action and had a lot of stuff to keep everybody's interest in it. Um, you continued the storyline between AJ and Paige, and as you said, they kept the Adam Roses and the Bunnies and the, the, the Gators and the Matadors. I'm okay with Slater Gator. I'm not so okay with Hornswoggle, but they kept all that off of Raw, and they'll probably focus that towards main event and SmackDown this week, and I'll be okay with that because those... Aren't the shows that those aren't the shows that the non wrestling fan base is going to casually turn into and see that and have their intelligence insulted? Right. <clears throat> Put that kind of stuff on your on your flagship broadcast. You're insulting the intelligence of your audience, and in addition, you're offend, you're possibly actively offending the people that might be checking you out for the first time and seeing something here. I was going to watch wrestling, but there was a guy wrestling a midget alligator, and I was like, that's too stupid for me. <clears throat> Sounds about right. Why risk why risk alienating your audience? Especially with stuff that is actively offensive such as that is. I don't know, you sounded kinda high when you did that voice and I know most high people wouldn't mind an alligator dressed up or a midget dressed up as an alligator, so Oh no. They would be freaked out by a midget dressed up as an alligator fighting a midget dressed up as a bull. <laughs> that or they would think they were at some kind of some kind of Comic Con. I'd say I did a pretty decent job of following yours. Yeah, you did all right. It's kind of a tough job, but I understand. Um, For our fans that don't know, hold on, where is it? I know it's in over here. I want to close the show on a high note. Jesus. This is why we need better organization on these sound bites. Nobody really knows this, but... Tony Bacero. The softest lip. And sometimes, at night, we spoon. <laughs> Don't do it like 
I really don't know where Greg found the time to make those. <laughs> you got anything else to add here, Tony, or I think we've pretty much said everything that needs to be said? That's pretty much it. There's no better way to sign off than that. Actually, there is a better way to sign off than that, and I just saw it as I was scrolling back towards our song. <laughs> hey, Todd. This is our personal message from the reaction to Todd Perry. You have a vagina! Best soundbite ever. He's Tony Acero. I'm Harry Broadhurst. This has been the reaction for October 13th, 2014. Stay tuned. Same time, same place. Blogtalkradio.com backslash PWT radio. The reaction returns next Monday night. For Tony, I'm Harry. We'll see you next week here on The Reaction on Powerhouse Radio. Good night, everybody. Deuces, bitches.